We talked about, and these are already marked in your outline that you have, the little blue insert. The Holy Spirit transforms our lives. And again, this isn't exhaustive, but this is just, and seven's kind of a good number, right? And so the Holy Spirit, one of the ministries that the Holy Spirit does is it brings transformation, conversion, but transformation of our lives. And the scripture that we drew out of that is the scripture familiar to many of us in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, fruit is something that is grown. Fruit is a manifestation on a tree. If you've got a peach tree and uh, the, the health of that tree is manifested in the fruit, the sweetness, the ripeness of it, uh, the fruit reveals the root, doesn't it? And so the Holy Spirit changes or transforms our lives. That's a work of the process, the conversion, the work of the Spirit. You remember when Jesus was having that conversation with Nicodemus in John chapter 3? He talked about how the Spirit blows where it wills. You feel the effects of the Spirit, but you can't always tell uh, necessarily always the direction of the Spirit. And that's what he was telling to Nicodemus when he said, you must be born again. How can you be born again? You're born again through the Word and the Spirit. The Holy Spirit does that work and that work of transformation. So the fruit of the Spirit, the manifestation, the evidence of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life is what? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Verse 23, gentleness, self-control, against such there is no law. Meaning the old law could only give you conformity to an outward standard, but the law under the old covenant, Mount Sinai, the old covenant law, Mosaic law, it could not produce transformation. That's a work of the Holy Spirit. That's a work of the new covenant. It, could, it would be frustrating because no matter how hard you tried to conform to that law standard, you were always, it's, it was always inadequate. You can never attain. But because of what the Holy Spirit has given, brought to us and the new covenant, all that has changed. The Holy Spirit transforms, transforms us not from the outside in, but from the inside out. And so when he says against such things... There is no law. You can't write a law that says love somebody. That's a legal law. And if you don't love them, we're going we're gonna to arrest you. We can be like the little girl that says, well, I you know, was told over and over again to sit down. And finally she does. And she says, well, I may be sitting down in my body, but, I, but inside I'm standing up. And that's the way sometimes Christians are. We're good at keeping a checklist, aren't we? We're good at keeping a conformity to certain rules and regulations because we think as long as I'm doing those things, I'm okay. When inside we're rooted with anger and bitterness and unforgiveness. But we still at church. We still loving and backslapping and all the time we've got all this garbage going on in our life. See, the Holy Spirit has come, what does he say, to convict the world of sin but the the work of the Holy Spirit brings that conviction in the believer's life to bring us in conformity. Okay, so that brings us to the second thing of what the Holy Spirit did, does, and we looked at this again two weeks ago, and how the Holy Spirit 
convicts us of sin. Jesus said in John 16, the chapter that we're landed on in our, in our study, John 16, verse 7, Jesus said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. Now, he's talking to his disciples. He began in chapter 14, verse 1, by saying, let not your hearts be troubled. Why are they troubled? Because their world is getting ready to crash down in about 24 hours. Jesus would be arrested. They'd be fleeing for their lives. Uh, everything that they've given up for for three and a half years would be just completely turned on its head. And, and so naturally, their hearts are troubled. Naturally, they're concerned. Naturally, they are bothered. And Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. But he says in verse, six, uh, verse 7, he said, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. Now, that'd be kind of odd. How, why do you, why, what do you mean it's to our advantage? That's, that's crazy. I mean, we don't, want you to we don't want you to die. We don't want you to leave. But what does he say? It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, which is a name of the Holy Spirit given here, the helper will not come to you. Think about that. Jesus says, in essence, I've been among you, I've been outside of you, but the Holy Spirit will only come if I depart, and I will send him to you, verse 8, and when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And there's some other things that we'll look at a little later. But one of the works of the Holy Spirit is to bring the conviction of sin and the believer's life. Now, notice I didn't say the condemnation. Because Romans 8, 1 says what? There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in, in Christ Jesus, right? But the Holy Spirit, the work, and part of this transformational work is the Holy Spirit is always moving us and guiding us. It's never static. The Holy Spirit's always moving us into conformity to being like Jesus. And so areas of sin in our life, Little sin, big sin, white lie, yellow lie, black, whatever, you know, we put all these little tags on it, but guess what? Sin is sin. Sin is all of that which is not in conformity to God because God is a holy God, H-O-L-Y. We are called to be holy. We're not trying to do that by being more religious. We're called to be holy because the Holy Spirit is working in us to conform us to be like Jesus. And that's all the blessing of what the new covenant does. In writing, as I said earlier, the promise of Jeremiah 31 that looked ahead for that new covenant that would write the laws of God, the word of God upon our heart. It wasn't just external conformity, but now it was the word of God living and breathing in the very person of God himself in the Holy Spirit living inside of us. So Jesus says, it's way better that I leave. You may not see it, guys, but it's way better that I leave because when the Holy Spirit comes, he won't just be outward, outside of you. He will be in you. And he's not going to be just in Peter. He's going to be in all of you. And he's going to be conforming your life, guiding you in conformity with who I am. I will be in you, the Spirit of Christ, the Bible says. So that brings us to the third ministry of the Holy Spirit for this, this week that we'll pick back up on. 
And the third ministry of the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit guides us to the truth. John 14, verse 25 and 26. These things, Jesus said, again, this is all part of that upper room discourse, okay, where he's teaching and giving us some truths on the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in John 14, verse 25, These things I have spoken to you, that while being present with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, notice what role he will have in your life, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Now, there's a dual promise there when he says about remembrance. And I talked about this, I think, uh, previously at another time. In the immediate context, it was a remembrance, it was a promise of remembrance to those disciples who would have the responsibility of remembering and recording accurately what Jesus taught them. So that at later, as they recounted and remembered that upper room discourse and remembered all those teachings about the Holy Spirit and all those things that Jesus taught them, that as they put those things in remembrance, uh, quill to, to, to parchment or whatever it was they used, uh, that there was a promise that God, the Holy Spirit, would overshadow their memory, would bring back the accuracy, so that as they recorded by memory, there would be a promise of accuracy of their words that we have the confidence and accuracy today in Holy Scripture in the Gospels, right? But for the believer, and also I believe for these disciples, there was also the promise that the Holy Spirit will just remind you of the words of Jesus. That's a great promise. He just reminds you of the Word, of the Word of God. Because, again, we are prone to forget. I mean, even the Lord's table. Do this in remembrance of me. Oh, well, be like Peter. Oh, I can, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. The Holy Spirit brings to remembrance. You see, in John 16, verse 13... It says that when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak of His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will tell you things to come. So the Holy Spirit has given us a promise, and here's where we want to bring it down to us, that if the promise is that the Holy Spirit guides us, the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life is that the Holy Spirit guides us to the truth, then if the Holy Spirit is truly working in your life as a follower of Jesus, you will be driven to know Him and have a desire to know Him on a deeper level and that that should motivate you to want to know Him and to read and open up the Scriptures and the Word of God because the Holy Spirit working actively in the believer's life is motivating me to know God, to know the deeper truths of God instead of just the little, you know, he lays me down to sleep and now my soul, to, you know, we just have this Sunday school flannel graph, and I'm not knocking flannel graphs wherever you are. Yes, Sandy. 
We just have this scripture card bread box. We just pull it out. Oh, that's, that's my food for the day. And the Holy Spirit just says, I'm starving in here, guy. I'm starving. I want, I want to lead you into the deeper. When I say deeper, I'm not talking about some weird mystical. I'm just saying that where you can read the Word of God and you can begin to learn. And God, you say, well, I don't even have a, I didn't even finish high school. You say, I have trouble reading. I have dyslexia. I never learned to read. Let me tell you something. If you believe the Holy Spirit has power to change your mortal mind into a spiritual mind and give you the ability that is beyond yourself. We live in a day and time where you can open up this phone and you can listen to more truths. A lot of times when I go to sleep at night, I go to sleep listening to the Psalms. Listening, always, always receiving and drawing from the Word of God. When we go on our vacation, and my wife will tell you I'm a bit of an oddball, I spend as much time thinking about what books I'm taking with me. And I've got probably one of the heaviest bags of stuff I take with me. Why? I'm not going on a vacation from God. I want to, listen, I only got a certain amount of time. Psalm 139 says that my days are numbered. I want to use every moment. I want to use the moments before I go to sleep at night to when I wake up to when I'm in the car. We're in the car driving. I'm listening to books on audio, audible, spiritual books that are going to build my spirit. They're going to build my mind. Why? Because like the hymn says, I am prone to wonder. I am prone to leave the God I love. Come thou fount of every blessing. So what do I have to do? I've got to counteract that all the time. All the time. And say, Holy Spirit, guide me. Guide me. If you're satisfied that you know everything there is to know about God and you just said, I'm just satisfied, then God bless you. We'll wave at you in the second coming. You know, we'll, we'll, I'm not talking about a heaven or hell thing. But I will say this. There is a problem when a person has zero desire. Zero desire to know God or to know anything about God or to grow in their relationship with God. If there is zero desire, then when you leave here in the next 30 minutes or so, when you leave here, you, I mean, you shut that door and you, you like... Checkbox. Okay, I'm back on. Turn my Van Halen on. Let's go. Or whatever it is you listen to. <laughs> Do you hear what I'm saying? We are the Holy Spirit is working in our life. You see that this book is a holy book. Second Peter one twenty one says that holy men of God. That's the authors. Spoke and wrote. What we have in the Word of God as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. This is a Holy Spirit book. And without the Holy Spirit to be your tutor, to be your guide, you cannot understand this. It's not an intellectual process. So if you have a desire to read and to understand, and you say, God, I need you to transform my mind. 
I need you to take my mind that I've allowed to be undeveloped for all these years because I always hated school, I hated reading, I hated all that stuff. But listen, this is different. You're not just learning knowledge and memorizing history dates and remembering philosophy and remembering all this stuff to pass a quiz. Listen, I could pass a quiz and five minutes later I couldn't have told you the answers. It's like I just had enough memory juice to get through that answer. And once that was done, it was like something just went, just flushed it all out. Forgot it all. But see, these are words... It's word and spirit. It's word that the Holy Spirit works in our life to conform us and make us. It isn't just guiding us into more intellectual knowledge. It's guiding us to be like Jesus. God gave us the Bible through the Holy Spirit. Let me suggest some ways the Holy Spirit opens up the word to us. This is not in your handout. This is what happens when you come back and you start adding stuff. Let me give you some practical ways. Obviously, number one, the Holy Spirit opens His Word to us because He gives us understanding. He gives us understanding. There's things that you avoid reading in the Bible. You said, oh, I I don't even read the book of Revelation. I can't understand it. Really? But then the first few verses, it says, blessed are those who read these words. You've gotten copped out by the enemy of a blessing... Because you've determined ahead of time that the author of the book cannot guide you into the truth of the book. And you said, you know what? I'm, I'm not, I can't understand that, 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 that book of Hebrews. I, I just can't understand it. Well, guess what? The author can, and the author does. And you have access to the author to lead you and guide you into the truth of the Word of God. And that's not saying you can't get helps and things to help... But if you have not the desire to learn, to listen, then you're missing out on one of the primary ministries of the Holy Spirit. Psalm 119, speaking about understanding, the Holy Spirit gives us illumination. Psalm 119, 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You ever go in a dark place and you think, oh, I know where I'm going. And then you, then you nail your foot or your toe on something because somebody moves something. Sometimes I'll do that. I'll come in the sanctuary and uh, even though there's a little light, it is, it is dark in here. And I've been in here enough times after almost nine years, I can kind of, I know my way. And then somebody will set some chair or do something out. And all of a sudden you'll hear me all by myself crashing in here, right? Because I was in the dark. I didn't have illumination. Well, the Holy Spirit gives us illumination. It gives us light. Don't you want light and direction of your path of your life? Or you just want to kind of wing it and figure it out on your own? The Holy Spirit is brought to us, promised to us to guide us, give us understanding. Another way that this takes place is the Holy Spirit directs us in what to study. I remember the first time I, when I uh, was 18 and really kind of recommitted myself to the Lord and was going to, before I went to Bible college, and I really wanted to, you know, just, I was going to be serious to the Lord. And I remember I went out and bought a 
commentary on the book of Revelation. I figured I'm just going to jump in the deep end. Uh, that wasn't so smart, all right? Maybe start with the Gospel of Mark, right? Gospel of John. Start. You've heard me say this many times. It's better to read less and understand more. Some of you are clipping along your Bible through the year. And you don't remember 10% of what you've read in the past, whatever it is, eight months. What good does it do? You, get a, you check off your little list and mail it to Charles Stanley and he sends you a certificate or whatever it is. I don't know. So if you're not getting understanding, slow down. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide you into what to study. Ask for guidance. I love the psalmist that says in Psalm 119, Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. That's a great promise to pray when you begin to open the Word of God. Holy Spirit, open my eyes that I might see wondrous things from your Word, from your truth. James, remind us in James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should do what? Call the pastor and ask him where that scripture is. You didn't know I'm the hotline, right? You just you do, you don't you just call me. No, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. Guess what? You have the author of the Word of God, and you can call twenty four seven. Their customer service line is like no other. It's way better than Spectrum and AT&T. You can call the author and say, Holy Spirit, guide me, teach me in this. What does this mean? The third way the Holy Spirit opens up the word to us is it reveals the things of God. And when I just mean the things of God, it means the Holy Spirit, and these kind of tie together, reveals those, those, those deep things of God. Let me give you an example. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9 through 12. From the NIV. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no hu human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared... For those who love him. Talking about the, the things that God has prepared for us. For those who love him. Verse 10. These are the things God has what? Revealed to us by his spirit. Notice what the spirit does. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit searches all things. Even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit, little s, their spirit within them, in the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. You want to know the thoughts of God? The Holy Spirit knows the thoughts of God. And the Holy Spirit wants to give you those deep thoughts and things of God. Verse 12, for what we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit, notice capital S, who is from God so that, so that, we may what? Understand what God has freely given to us. 
need to pray for understanding. Need to pray for understanding. But if you have no desire, guess what? You're not going to receive it. If you don't have any desire, because you just already determined that I can't learn, I can't, I can't read well, I can't understand my brain, I need to start, what is that stuff, Prevengen? Is that supposed to help? Is that, what is that? Huh? Is that memory stuff? All right, I wanted to make sure I wasn't, you know, something feminine drug or something. I just, <laughs> uh, I, my heart stopped beating when I uttered that word because I thought, Tim, that is the stupidest thing you've ever said. That's some feminine pill that has nothing to do with your memory. All right. Broke out in a cold sweat. All right. Got to cool off here. That was not by the Spirit, so there you go. Listen, the Holy Spirit can renew your mind. My uncle, who's with the Lord, was a heroin addict for 16 years, gang leader in the streets of New York. Was in four or five prisons before he was 18 years old. And God miraculously saved him in 1964. But when he was in prison, when he is in prison, uh, God began to work on him and began to move in his heart. And he didn't know how to read. He was in reform schools and would run away most of the time. But you know what? He prayed and asked the Lord. He, the Holy Spirit taught him how to read. Holy Spirit taught him how to write and became a great pastor and a great preacher of the word. Why? The Holy Spirit can take, the Holy Spirit loves to take raw material where only God gets the glory. So whatever your lack, whatever your lack of understanding, whether it's language, whatever it is, you can just bring that before the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, one of the gifts that you have brought me is to guide me into all truth. And so I need you to guide me into knowing more deeply about Jesus. You know what? He'll give you the desires of your heart when those desires are his heart, right? Listen, the, the knowledge and the truth of the word of God, that's the only real knowledge you can take into heaven. You know how to change your oil and repair a dryer and all that? That's good down here. But that's worthless in heaven. The knowledge of who God is and the deep truths of God, those are things that we'll be thinking about and learning for all eternity. But guess what? We, as I said earlier, we, we live in two places. We live in the now and we live in the future. And the truths of God are things that we can reach into the future and start tapping into. We can, you know, some teachers would let you start learning and reading books before the semester started. Guess what? We get to start reading and, and discovering things about God before our semester in heaven starts. We can start learning and getting a head start right now if we want to, if we desire to do that. The Holy Spirit opens the scriptures. All right, the fourth, the fourth, and I'm probably going to, well, we got a few minutes. Notice the fourth ministry of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit empowers us to proclaim or witness for Christ. Acts 1, here's an example. You remember what Jesus told the disciples in Acts chapter 1? They had questions on the end times 
Therefore, when they had come together, this is Jesus now resurrected, Acts chapter 1, when they had come together, they asked Jesus, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But verse 8, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. In Acts 4.31, it says that when they had prayed, the place they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And as a consequence of the work of the Holy Spirit in the life, it says, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. What is one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit? He's always pointing people, leading people, leading truth to exalt Jesus. So what would seem very natural in the believer's life of the Holy Spirit is he wants to empower us to help lead people uh, to Jesus. He wants us to be that mouthpiece because the promise was that when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, he didn't say, you're going to be my Bible students. You're going to be my theologians. He didn't say that. He said, you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to be my mouthpiece. You're going to be my voice to testify what you've seen and what you've heard. And when the Holy Spirit fell there in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, 50 days after Passover, the Bible says that they begin to talk about and proclaim the magnificent acts of God. Think about the effect on Peter's life. Now again, this day at Pentecost celebration was 50 days out from Passover. Penta, five, 50 days. So within under two months, what... What, con what spiritual condition was Peter at the arrest and trial of Jesus? Denied him, you know, denied Jesus three times when he was confronted about being one of those Galileans. Fear, anxiety. But what's the difference in Acts chapter 2 that we see Peter standing before three, four, who knows, the thousands. It says 3,000, but typically that was always ca only counting the men, the males. Could have been up to 10,000 people, some people estimate. And here you have this fearful, trembling, scared disciple. All of a sudden now, what's the difference he has been empowered and filled with the boldness of the Holy Spirit. And he stands and proclaims that message on the day of Pentecost. It says, this is that which the prophet Joel prophesied. And he just speaks with great boldness and power. What was the difference? The difference was the empowering of the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, the... Being witnesses is not going through a training program, even though those are helpful. But there's something about when you are led, and this all ties together, when you are guided 
and led by the Holy Spirit. Because does the Holy Spirit, who's the very Spirit of God, does the Holy Spirit know all things? Right? Okay. So does he know when you're in, I won't name the restaurant because I'll lose some of you, but let's say he's in the restaurant you'll be at later. And he knows everybody. He knows the waitress, the waiter, whatever it is. He knows what's going on in their life. And wouldn't it be much better to be listening and being guided to the Holy Spirit to speak into that person's life? Could be something real simple. Could be just giving a really good tip instead of being a cheapskate Christian. huh? Don't leave a track and think that's going to help them pay the bills. Hello? And don't leave one of those phony money tracks. You think, oh, there's a $100 bill, and you fold it out, and it's a plan of salvation. You don't, need to, you don't need all the gimmicks. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I'm not making, oh. I knew a guy that worked at the bank. You know, the, the tellers had a whole box of gospel stuff put through the the funnel had a whole box, had a whole collection. Could have opened up a whole library of tracks. They just sent him through, right? Look, let the Holy Spirit guide you. One of the best teachings, and Arnie knows all about this, is the uh, teaching called, um, and it's a course. I'm not knocking courses because they give us guidance. It's sharing Jesus without fear. That's the title of it. Sharing Jesus without fear. And what I love about it is it's very Holy Spirit driven in the witnessing of how to share the gospel. Let me read you one statement from William Fay who developed it. And you can look him up online and he has a powerful, powerful testimony. William Fay, listen to what he says in his teaching of sharing Jesus without fear. All right? We just, we lost our, our uh, cameras or our, is that a sign to quit? Is that, is that what that is? All right. <clears throat> Let me read this to you. It, it wouldn't be on the screen anyway, so it's okay. And this may be a good place for us to wrap up. Now, don't check out when I read a quote, all right? See, you got your dad. She, she can lay hands on it and take care of it. William Faye says this in Sharing Jesus Without Fear and the Role of the Holy Spirit. He says, quote, The Holy Spirit makes your witnessing efforts effective. It is the Holy Spirit who convicts of sin and touches the heart. It is remarkable to see the Holy Spirit work as defensiveness changes to interest and as a hard heart softens to accept God's love. The difficult questions you fear we fear, become unimportant as the power generated by your partnership with God grows. Well, what if they ask me that? What if they ask me where, you know, Cain got his wife? I mean, they're going to ask me all these questions. He said, the difficult questions you fear become unimportant as the power, spirit power generated, I love this, by your partnership with God grows. You will sense the Holy Spirit working through you as He guides a lost person to ask the right questions, find the right answers, and make a faithful decision. 
trembling, fearful hesitancy on our part is turned to joy as you see what God will do when an ordinary Christian becomes involved in extraordinary service. Remember that God has assigned you to witness. Be my witnesses. And he will not give you any task for which he has already made provision. Generally, this is not a power that you can be, you can, that can be felt ahead of time. You must trust that God will keep his word when you need his wisdom and power. Witnessing, like all other tasks God calls you to do, is based on your belief that your mission, that your mission will be accomplished not by your own power, but by God's presence providing the power. In Zechariah 4, 6, not by might nor by power, but by my, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. All right, we're going to quit. We'll pick up 5, 6, and 7 next week. We had a little more today. We did communion, and uh, we're not in any rush. We want to hear and be taught. I think we got enough that we can chew on, right?